8 p.m. You tuned in to Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro. Our wrap of the top business stories. And uh, to help us do this, I'm joined by Markwe Masilela, founder and chief investment officer at Markwe Fund Managers. Markwe, who's it, brother? Sweet no small man, Alistair Goodman. Makwe, uh, you know, I was thinking the other day, um, you know, uh, if, if we were in normal times, we probably would be hearing or getting crossings from Davos, uh, or we might maybe have you, Makwe, as our, uh, I guess, a trusted friend in the corridors of power, uh, you know, to uh, cross over for us from Davos, uh, where the world's, uh, I guess, who's who, the richest, uh, go and hobnob and uh, think about. Uh, other ways, I guess, uh, to make uh, the world economy more unequal. Uh, that, that's what would have happened. And it seems uh, WEF now is happening uh, over, I guess, uh, Zoom links and all manner of other things. Uh, and talking about that, President Sir Ramaphosa addressing WEF earlier on today. Uh, and uh, key parts of his message really being around the need for a continental response uh, to the vaccine rollout. But also, I guess, um, wagging his finger at many of those who are engaged in what is come to be called vaccine nationalism. Sure. And, you know, he has to, to call for a continental approach. I mean, the guy is an African Union chairman now, so he has to represent Africa before just putting the interest of South Africa, especially when he talks on the global front. But, yes, apparently the people who just talked just so many, almost more than four times as they require. And, you know, I will ask myself that it's a question of People, maybe they ordered stuff on time. Guys also have money. So you come to our situation, we don't have the necessary money. We're also late to order. We didn't even uh, contribute towards the development of or the research thereof. So it just shows you that the money talks, and I don't know what the rest does. So guys with money, <laughs> people, definitely, they did whatever they had to do. But hey. It's not a South African or an African problem. I don't sure. know whether you've picked up that the European Union as well. They're complaining, and apparently tomorrow they're having a meeting with the manufacturers because apparently mm. the manufacturers are failing to deliver on what they promised. It looks as if come end of March, the manufacturers will only be able to deliver almost 60%. As a result, you start hearing talks that wait. This is manufactured in Belgium, so we just have to monitor what gets to be exported out of the European Union. Mm. It's more of a global challenge, more than anything. And even the likes of Germany went to the extent of admitting that, you know what, initially they were inward looking, but we have to continue to cooperate, stuff like that. So there's a rush when it comes to who's getting a vaccine. And hey, we know with our first batch will be more than mm. double whatever it is but the long story short here is it's not africa or south africa alone that might be having challenges even the big guys is the european union and by the way the european union contributed towards the research and development as well mm. it's just mm. issues with the manufacturers logistics and the production capability yeah it seems it seems the manufacturers have oversold uh, what was a very ambitious timeline uh, for some of these, I mean, even here at home, there's an expectation that we should be getting the first shipment uh, in the next few, three or four days or so, or at the end of February. Um, and a lot of people, I guess, in the know have been suggesting that, that that's highly unlikely to happen. But, Mark, to the point you're raising around the manufacturing happening in Belgium and the EU response, we have a similar situation here in South Africa. I mean, uh, millions of doses 
uh, are effectively uh, manufactured on contract here in South Africa for export. Um, mm. Is there scope for us to be doing the same? To say, look, um, you know, if this stuff's going to be manufactured here, then at least just a portion nyana should, um, should remain in the country. Baba, what have you contributed to what that thing to be developed or manufactured here? You contributed absolutely. Ah, we contributed electricity, Chief. <laughs> and they pay you for electricity, by the way. And as a result, those are the good payers of electricity compared to me and you, who are probably maybe not paying. So they're helping ESCOM to keep on running. Ish. And Same beginning. As well. But you know, I think, as you said earlier, you know, manufacturers probably over, over promise. But hey, you over promise to, yes, which are willing, you know, to listen to you. Given the panic that people were at, it was easy to sell anything, absolutely anything. And then somebody was talking that, you know what, here we are talking about the vaccination, stuff like that, the vaccines. But when the treatment, just like flu, you can be vaccinated for flu. But if it happens that you get flu, you know that there's a treatment, there's stuff that you can take to make sure that mm. you get to be good. So also the same effort has to be put when it comes to the treatment part of things. It doesn't just have to be vaccination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makwe, please turn around for us there, Chastinji, um, okay. so that we can find you on a much better line and, uh, you know, uh, the telecoms gods can be with us. Um, uh, I mean, just a last comment on this particular score. Um, just from the remarks the president was making, do you get a sense, Makwe, that th there's a plan on the continent? There's a coordinated plan to make sure that we get the vaccines in place because, you know, unlike, you know, the Germans, I think a lot of people are beginning to realize that, you can't take an insular approach. You can't take an approach that says, if I vaccinate my people, I'm going to be fine. Uh, when we know that, you know, issues of global supply spill over national borders, migration in a context like South Africa is a big issue as well. Uh, and so part of the response, even at a country level, is also about making sure uh, that the region and even the continent you find yourself in also has a plan around this. I, I think to some extent, I uh, do have a plan, especially with the backup of the World Health Organization, I think our biggest challenge here, it will be the question of money, you know, that that plan, are we able to back that plan, you know, with money, but also what's a good thing, I mean, these developers, these countries, they realize that they cannot just help themselves out, because somebody indicated that should it happen like that, they probably, you know, uh, these other people who doesn't get vaccine, the poor countries, that could have almost a nine trillion US dollar economic and negative economic impact mm. so they have to take us with them to make sure but yes maybe our plan just like most other plans it might not work 100 percent but i strongly believe that as a country as a continent we do have some plan because this time around the world health uh, organization is also taking everyone else and also if we are able to get all that vaccine via that program of the african union it's just also going to be much cheaper and remember, some other African countries have got very good bilateral agreements or relationships of this developed economy. So they'll also want to see to it that they've been helping out as much as they can. But the truth is, they will first make sure that they're covered before they can look after you. That's the harsh reality of this whole situation. Mm, 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 mm. Mark, let's shift our attention to Nigeria. 
we, we heard last week from the Monetary Policy Committee here in South Africa. Uh, and I guess, you know, uh, often uh, interesting to look at stories, economic stories coming out of uh, the West African nation of Nigeria, the largest, uh, I guess, by absolute size economy on the continent, um, and uh, effectively, I guess, the, the continent's most populous nation. And uh, it seems in that country, um, a lot of the, I guess, challenges around where the oil price is, where production is, um, and of course, uh, the challenge of food price inflation is uh, certainly keeping interest rates at levels uh, that uh, South Africans uh, would certainly shudder to think about. Definitely, and as you rightfully say, you know, just like we did uh, last week, says the the guys today left the interest rate unchanged at 11.5. But the question is going forward, and given that inflation might be going out of control, remember, apparently mm. last year they had to devalue their currency twice, all because of the shortage of money in the market, all because of this uh, inflation getting out of control. But now. Apparently, it seems that Nigeria might be just be one of those few countries that will probably be increasing interest rates this year. And I don't think that will go well for the economy. But hey, that bank is having a tough situation, not just to, to grow the economy, but also to make sure that the Naira doesn't get out of control. As we know, it gets to be highly affected by oil prices that we all know are very, very volatile. Anything can happen to those prices. And so far, that's leading the $55, $56 the barrel. And, and, I mean, Mark, when you look at, I guess, some of the monetary policy choices that that uh, MPC is faced with, uh, and you look at the context of this virus that we're dealing with, um, I mean, any prospect of seeing a considerable recovery in that oil price and effectively, I guess, uh, a recovery um, in, in the budget and uh, financial environment uh, for Nigeria? I think it depends what happened with that stimulus. As we know, that that 1.9 trillion, so far that challenges for the Democrats to convince fully the Republicans. So it depends whether mm. they get it through. It also depends what happens to OPEC and its allies. As we know that they're on a production cut, how long will they hold that? And whether other countries will survive with the current oil prices. So if the economy gets to start picking up, and as maybe hopefully what MF said today is true, that the global economy, instead of growing by 5.2%, this year it will grow by 5.5%. So the ability to get some serious economic activity and also get people to travel because jet fuel also contributes a lot. So that mm-hmm. probably might help oil prices going forward. Then sure. probably oil prices might get somewhere. And yes, as we know, unfortunately, as they go up, then you get the guys in the U.S., you know, the shell, the, the shell uh, gas trailers, then the barrels get attractive, they start to drill more, then it also negates, you know, the oil price, it happens to be that balancing act. But mm. the long and short, it's easy for oil prices to get to higher levels, whether it's between 65 and 70, depending on the global economy, then yes, the likes of Nigeria will benefit, but it also depends what is going to be happening to their currency, because oil prices can go up, but if their currency is also not uh, playing along, then they might not realize the income that they need to realize. Yeah, yeah, it's certainly, it's certainly a tough environment. I mean, uh, Mark, uh, when you think about countries like Nigeria, Angola, uh, Libya, uh, many of them reliant on uh, oil revenues at a time now where people aren't flying enough, not driving around enough, um, and effectively... Uh, the demand conditions for that particular commodity certainly finding themselves at a, at a point where, 
I guess it might justify some of those lower prices. Um, let's shift our attention to the northwest. Now, ESCOM uh, yesterday came out and said the uh, cyclone in Mozambique, uh, parts of Zimbabwe, and even uh, we heard the Kruger National Park was uh, flooded yesterday as well, that that particular cyclone hasn't affected their operations I guess at a point where I would have expected them to. I mean, these guys have a massive hydropower plant in Kawarabasa in Mozambique. One would have expected that that you would have been impacted somehow. They said that hasn't happened. But um, I guess winds in the northwest are going to affect the network infrastructure and even access to electricity there. Yeah, we have to be in the lookout, you know. And remember, this is area where we've got lots of mines, especially when it comes to PGM. So it depends yes. what's going to be happening. And unfortunately, those mining companies, those cement operators as well, they are not yet at the point where they're generating their own electricity. So definitely can have a serious uh, impact because should uh, what do you whatever what do you call it electricity not be available then you don't, cannot allow a situation or afford a situation where a furnace is not running at all. Because now it means the minute you start running it again, it's going to be huge cost and it's going to take you a long time to get it moving again. We hope, as ESCOM is saying, that let us be on the lookout and let's probably hope that the infrastructure the network doesn't have that uh, affected negatively. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, certainly a tough one, Mark. And uh, I mean, when we think about, um, you know, just the generation capability of ESCOM, we are at a time now where key parts of our economy have effectively been shut out, um, workers locked out of uh, jobs and effectively livelihoods. Um, and, and, and that one would think would also have sort of um, uh, a dampener on demand for electricity. If we're battling now, just with the winds, um, you have the cyclone, which is no doubt is going to have a material impact, uh, and, and a resumption of some economic activity, one hopes, with the vaccine coming on board. Will our yeah. fleet be able to carry this economy? In the long run, we hope they will, because remember that guys who can afford, and apparently they've been allowed by NEFA to start generating for their own, and be able to sell whatever extra that they might be having. So with that happening, then most of the uh, the guys in the deep pockets will be off the grid. And now the question still remains that ESCOM, who will be supplying? Will you be having reliable customers? Will be yeah. able to afford to pay you? Because the guys who are apparently killing you now, probably in the next two years or so, they'll be off the grid. But you are right, as things look, we don't have like a clear concrete plan or a convincing one to show that maybe in the next coming two, three years, ESCOM can convincingly say that, guys, I can supply you with reliable electricity. And as we know, that's one of the most important things when it comes to economy. Anyway, anyone who talks about the economy, from experts to uh, anyone who is the edition bill, they know that ESCOM happens to be one of the problems when it comes to our economy. And it still remains a big problem when it comes to growing our economy. Mm, 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 mm. And maybe that's that's also part of the issue, Mark, where that uh, you know this uh, self-selection idea um, is effectively, I mean, as some people have, have suggested, going to leave ESCOM with the bad payers because the people who uh, were good payers are most likely some of those who are going to invest in self-generation and be able to meet some of their own needs. Exactly. And what do you do? You are allowed. You can afford it. Why not? And hey, ESCOM had the chance 
to be able to make sure that they satisfy satisfy their customer, but they failed because this mm. decision took forever to be made. So really, we cannot blame them. I mean, look now, people are just complaining with their lights just going off, whether it's at your house or what. It's a hell of an inconvenience. So imagine if you have to stop production. Imagine if you have to lose your income because of X one. And maybe with the current one, that might happen at the moment because of the storm. I think that one we can at least excuse as calm because hey, that's nature, there's nothing much they can do. It even happens, you know, in developed economies that you get these biggest storms, the cyclones mm. that affect electricity supply. So there's nothing much you can do when it comes to that because we do not have control of how strong the storm will be. Eesh. Yeah, yeah, Makwe, it's, uh, it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough. Um, but uh, we'll certainly follow that closely. And, uh, of course, also anticipating the restructuring of uh, ESCOM into those three divisions as well. And uh, uh, still yet to be seen sort of what implications that's going to have for the income statement. But um, uh, before I let you go, Makwe, um, let's go to SARS. Um, I, I always, and I must say this, I mean, I have a headache uh, with whatever browser I'm using whenever I have to open documents from the receiver of revenue and it just shows up as that Adobe player thing. Now, I didn't know that Adobe had indicated three years ago that uh, at the end of 2020, they're going to stop updating and investing in Adobe Flash Player and if effectively kill it. Uh, and it seems now that many conveyances and many of those trying to file their returns are mm -hmm. having a bit of a headache because um, Adobe Flash Player doesn't exist. And many of the documents SARS has are in that particular format. That's awesome, man. And maybe you can come, I can borrow you my laptop. Because you guys are probably the make programs. You have to get someone to borrow a laptop, you know, to be able ah, to... Ah, Marco, don't come and advertise those people here, Chief. Please, please. <laughs> <laughs> but the point here is, it's very worrisome. As you are saying, that's more than three years that we've been told that this is what's going to be happening. And it's only now that we start running around to make sure that at least we do have a stopgap. And I think that's the nature of our state-owned enterprises, even including government departments, because all these things, as we just said about ESCOM, all these things is not a surprise. We get to know, but we take forever to act. Only at the last minute we try to do something. Truth be told, this is embarrassing, and should it happen as well, maybe say, because of all this, it affects, the collection when it comes to the money that SARS is supposed to collect, who do we bring? Are we going to say COVID? No, everything cannot be COVID. This is man-made. This is our mistake. We could have acted on this on time. And hey, mm. you know, we are just lost of it because this is what is happening all over. You know, we know in time what needs to be done and let alone on time. Ask us what needs to be done with the economy. We can give you a nice story about it. Why don't we execute? I don't know. And that's the story with what's happening now at first. Why didn't they act on time? We don't know. Do we have the capabilities? It shows they do. Look at a very short space of time. They managed to come up with a And if they implemented and came up with a program that they had almost 36 to implement, they could have come with something very, very brilliant. Yeah, ne? I see a good man. I have nothing to say to that one. I wouldn't see my bow. That's hope. <laughs> Makwe, thanks, my brother. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. That there was Makwe Masilela, Chief Investment Officer and Founder at Makwe Fund Managers. And yeah, I.
So yeah, SARS has now created their own browser. Uh, you can only open the SARS website. Uh, but effectively, you have access to these documents and you can complete your filing. Uh, so uh, certainly do that. And if you can uh, continue to contribute to that widening net, we definitely do need the money as a country. 10 minutes it is after 8 p.m. We take a brief break now. When we come back, Mamuloko Kubai Ngubani.